Everybody say the word joy. Now say it like you have joy. Joy! There you, there you go. Hey, that's what the theme of today is all about. We've been in this series called The Sounds of Christmas. And last week, we looked at the sound of hope. And today, the kids have already sung it for us. The choir has sung it for us. I want to unpack it for you a little bit about this joy that Christ came to bring. Now, hear my heart. I know there a lot of us have been going through difficult times. I know there have been some of us that have been in some challenging circumstances. Some of us have had some really hard losses lately. But I want to talk to you today about a joy that none of that can dissipate. I want to go back. If you want to take your sermon outline out and track along with me, you can follow. Follow. I want to throw the scripture up on the screen. This is the one uh, from part of the scripture that the children quoted for us just a little bit ago. It's about the angels coming to the shepherds, and they were terrified. Look what happens. It says, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you, read it with me, good news that will bring great joy to to who? All people. Now look at me for a second. I want you to hear that. This news wasn't just for the shepherds. This news of great joy is for all of us, every one of us. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. I want to I unpack this story for a few moments, and I want to talk to you about this joy that Christ came to bring to us. Are you ready? Let me give you just a, a few thoughts, and I just hope you'll camp on all week long. Here's the first one. Believe it or not, this joy that Christ came with, it's a joy that God offers to the worst of us. To the worst of us. You know, when, when we think about the shepherds, we often have these images of these really nice, gentle guys with, you know, with rods and staff who, who protect the sheep, and they did all of that. But when you look at first century history, you discover that these shepherds, for the most part, weren't nice guys at all. Uh, they were often ruffians who couldn't get a job doing anything else, and so they left tending these smelly sheep. Um, they, were, they were ceremoniously unclean uh, because of the nature of their work, so they weren't allowed in the temple. They weren't allowed in some of the religious places without going all through all of the, the ritual uh, cleansing rites. Uh, and they were, in fact, they, they were so, had a, such a bad reputation that the first century law said that they weren't allowed to testify in court because you couldn't trust a word that the shepherd said. Now, think about this. That's the group of people that the angels brought this terrific news to. And when you step out of it, you go, you know what? If I was going to bring the greatest news that the world ever heard, would I pick that group of people? But coming to the, to the shepherds, it was, it was a great foreshadowing of the ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus made it clear, everywhere that Jesus went, he hung around with some of the worst of society. In fact, that was the thing that the religious people really got upset with. They go, you know, why, why they told the disciples, why is there your master, why is he hanging out with notorious sinners? And you know what Jesus said? He said, the son of man didn't come for people who are healthy. He came for people who are sick. He came for those who are lost and need to be found. Now, I want you to just camp on that because there are some of us when we, when we hear this story, if we, when we take a good look at our lives, we think, you know what? 
I'm not really worthy of this joy that Christ has been. I haven't, I haven't really lived that good of a life. I, I can't tell you that I've really even thought about God a whole lot. Look at me, hear my heart. But it is to the worst of us, the least of us, that Christ came to bring this great joy. You know, I, I don't know what, what it was like, you know, hanging around shepherds. I grew up in a locker room. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up playing ball all my life. And can I just say that in the locker room, you don't always hear the most flowery of speech, you know, when, when you're talking in the locker room. You know, you hear all kinds of things that you, you don't really normally hear in church. And, and I imagine that the shepherds were probably a little bit like that. They were a ruffian group of people who probably used all kinds of foul language. But I want you to look at what happened to them once they followed the angel's advice, went and saw the Christ child. Look at the transformation, Luke chapter 2, verse 20. It says, the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. Stop there for a second. These ruffian men who probably used foul language all the time now were glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You see, that was the mission that Christ was all about. In fact, in John 10, Jesus says this. He said, you know what? The thief, the, the evil one, the devil in this world, the thief's purpose what he wants to do with you, he wants to steal and kill and destroy. That's what the enemy wants to do. Jesus, Listen to this. But Jesus said, my purpose, read it with me, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. You know, I don't know if you're, if you're wired up like me, but there are a lot of days that I get up and I look in the mirror and I think this thought, I am not worthy of all the blessings that God gives to me. I, I'm not worthy of this life I get to live. I did nothing to earn any of this. Um, there was a pastor by the name of Jeff Volkman, he was talking about on his honeymoon, uh, his, he and his wife were in, they were living in Oregon, and they decided to spend at least a couple of their days of their honeymoon in central Oregon, and Jeff said, you know, I'm a, he said, I was an English major in college. And he said, for me, the big thing is all the high arts and literature. And he said, there's a, a, a place in Ashland, Oregon, that has this world famous Shakespearean theater. And he said, he said, I can't believe I did this, but I actually talked my new bride uh, into going there to, to try to catch one Shakespearean play. He said, this would be like a dream come true. He said, now this is at the, basically at the dawn of the internet. And he said, so you couldn't order tickets online. You actually had to go to there and buy them. And it was like 200 miles from Bend, Oregon, where they were to, to Ashland. And he said, we made this three-hour drive. And he said, I was so excited. I'm like a kid at Christmas. And he said, we went up to the ticket counter and said, we'd like two tickets to the next available performance. And the gal behind the ticket counter said, I am so sorry. There are no tickets available not for the performance tonight, not for any of the performances this week. And Jeff said, man, it was like somebody just popped my balloon, man. He said, I'm just, he said, I'm standing there. I can't believe it. We made this long drive. I've drugged my new bride here. And he said, now we're not even going to get a go. And as we were standing there, just kind of looking at each other, he said, there was this old man that was just kind of standing outside where we're at this ticket booth. And he came over and he said, 
were you wanting to go to the performance tonight? And they said, yeah, but there's no tickets available. He said, you know what? He said, I have tickets to tonight's performance, but I'm not going to be able to go. I want you to have mine. And he handed us two tickets. Jeff said, I was blown away. He said, I, I couldn't believe it. It was like a dream come true. And he, he said, I, I said, he said, I reached for my wallet and said, how much? And the guy said, oh, no, 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 no. It, no charge at all. This is my gift to you. Jeff said, that was even better, man. We're poor newlyweds. We didn't really have any money. He said, so we're, we're so excited. He said, we got to the performance. And he said, I didn't understand the, the numbering on the ticket. And he said, when we gave the two tickets to the gal, when we came in, she said, she kind of looked at us funny and said, I'll have to walk you to your seats. And he was like, all right. He said, she walks us all the way down to the front in the very first row, takes us to the middle. He says, we have the two middle seats in the very first row in this auspicious uh, theater. He said, they're absolutely the best seats in the house. He said, my wife and I are looking at each other and we just start crying. He goes, I can't, we can't believe this. He goes, here's a guy he, that we, we didn't even know who owed us nothing. And for free, he gave us the best seats in the house. Jeff said, that was the day I understood grace. Because you see, Christmas is all about a God who came to give us his very best, though we deserved none of it. Amen? You better believe it. Christ, that joy that he comes is offered to the worst of us. Let me give you the second thought. Let this blow you away. This joy that God wants to give us, I want you to think about it this way. This joy God wants to give us is actually the joy that he has for us. What's this joy like, Pastor Steve? This joy you talk about that God wants to give. It's actually the joy that God has for us. I want you to think with me for a second. You ever have anyone in your life that you know really loves you and when you come in the room, they just seem to light up? I think I see three hands. Maybe three of us have people like that. You know, rest of us, they start running the other way. I get that. I, I saw this clip. If you want to see what joy looks like, I saw this clip. Some of you may have seen it on the news. This is just unbelievable. This is a granddaughter. It's a little tiny girl. And what, watch what happens when her grandmother walks in the house. Play that, play that little video. Delaney, who's here? Who is? of you grandparents would love your grandkids to do that when you walked in. I saw that video and I thought, if my grandkids did that when I walked, I'm, I'm taking out my wallet, I'm throwing down cash, credit cards, you know what, whatever, the, whatever they want. That, that was pure joy. Now here's what I want you to get. That's how God feels about you. You know, we spend so much time in our life believing that God is mad at us, that God really doesn't like us that God somehow felt obligated to come from heaven to earth to be here for us. You gotta understand this. Our God made you. He, he wants the absolute best for you. 
That's why when you see the picture of the prodigal son, this kid who, who blew everything and did everything wrong when he comes home, the father comes running to meet him because he was filled with joy. This joy that God wants to give us in our own lives toward him is the joy, same joy that he feels toward us. I think one of the most amazing verses in scripture, Zephaniah 3.17 the prophet said, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. Read it out loud with me. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Pastor Steve, how does God feel toward me? He loves you so much. He's so in love with you. He loves to sing joyful songs over you. That's just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Can I give you another one? It's a joy that God can give in any circumstance. It's a joy that God can give in any circumstance. It's not a joy that has to do with anything that goes on around us. It's an inside-out joy, not an outside-in joy. That's why I love Paul's letter to the Philippians. Look, look at what he says in Philippians 4.4. 4. Would you read it out loud with me? Always be full of joy in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. You know, what's so amazing, Philippians, four short chapters, the theme of the entire book is joy. Uh, some form of the word joy is found like 14 times in, in four chapters. The amazing thing, I mentioned this last week, is where did Paul write Philippians from? He was in jail. He was in prison. And yet, even though he's in jail, Paul's saying, you know what? God has given me a joy that isn't, that have, isn't contingent on anything going around me. In fact, go on in, in chapter four, Paul says, I know what it's like to have a little, know what it's like to have a lot. I've been up, I've been down. I've learned the secret of being content in every circumstance. There is a joy I have that no one can take away. That's a joy that isn't dependent on any circumstance. But can I, can I bend that just a little bit too? It's also a joy that we can have no matter what's going on because we know this, God doesn't abandon us in our circumstances. Did you know that no matter what you're going through, no matter how horrible it may seem, did you know that God is still at work in that? I love the passage of scripture from Romans 8, 28. Read it with me, church. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I bet if we took time this morning, we could have testimonies of people who could share. There was something that happened. I thought it was the worst thing in the world that could happen. But God worked in it, and it turned out to be the absolute best thing that could have happened. Because that's how amazing God is. He works in the middle of these circumstances in ways that just blow us away. A guy by the name of, of Jim Walker, um, December 14, 2007. Jim and his 11-month-old daughter uh, went into a store to get some groceries. And when he came out, he discovered that someone had burglarized his car. And Jim said, I was just like, really? It had already been a really hard year for Jim. Uh, he said he just, you know, the, financially his family were, was really hurting. Uh, this was one more thing that they couldn't afford. And he said when he, he got to the car and a window had been bashed out and what little things they had in there, including his toolbox, which he really needed, it was all gone. 
There was a gal named Gina. Gina was an off-duty firefighter um, who came over and she said, I've already called the police. She said, I got a good look at the guys who broke into your car and the police are on their way and I'll be happy to give, them a, a, give the police a description. Police got there. There was a gal, it was another gal. It was a gal named Gracie who was the police officer. And so Gracie's taking the report and Jim said, I'm, I'm giving them my information and Gina's telling the story. And she said, and then they're looking at little Audrey. And he said, poor little Audrey, 11 months old, She'd already been through five heart surgeries that in 11 months. Uh, she was also born blind. And he said, I'm holding this little girl. And, and he said, and Jean and Gracie were just taken with her. And he said, they, while I was doing the report, they would take turns holding her and, and playing with her. And he said, they were just so kind and they were so patient. He said, when I got home, as bad as the circumstance was, he decided, I, I decided I've just got to write a letter to, to both of their captains just to let them know what a great job they did. And so he said, so I did. I wrote letters to the fire department, to the police department, just com, you know, commandeering them or what's, what's the word I want? Affirming them for what they did. Yeah, there we go. Affirming them for what they did. And he said, and it was, he said it was funny. He said about a week later, he said, Gina gives me a call. And uh, she said, hey, are you at home? He said, yeah. He said, I've got a thank you card uh, that we'd like to give you for sending that letter to our captains. Would you, would you, you, would you be okay if we stop by? And she, he said, sure. He said, our boys, he said, I have two boys. He said, the boys had already been talking about the fact that it was going to be, you know, it looked like it was going to be a lean Christmas because we had a Christmas tree with almost no presents under the tree. He said, Gina and Gracie and Gina, or Gracie's captain, all showed up at the door carrying five bags of Christmas presents for the kids. And he said, they walked in and she said, me and my wife and I, we just started crying. And he said, they started taking out the present. They said, you know, we knew you were in a hard way. We got that from, you know, from, from the burglar report that we did. We knew you were saying, and he said, and you were so kind to do what you did. We just wanted to bless you. And he said, I'm just, I'm just standing there in amazement as they're putting these gifts under the tree. And he said, then the captain, the police captain or police chief, he said, picks up little Audrey and he's just holding her in his arms. And as he walks over to me with Audrey in his arms, he says, you need to know something. He said, I have a 10-year-old son who was also born blind. He said, I know every resource in this county. I know every single person you need to be in touch with. He goes, we're gonna get this little girl more help than you ever even believed was imagined. Jim said, I'm standing there in my house. He said, I'm thinking this is the greatest Christmas ever. All of this is happening. And he goes, and it all came about because my car got burglarized. In all things, God is working, even in the bad stuff. Can I give you one more? This joy that we talk about, it's also a joy that is eternal. It's also a joy that's eternal. You know, we live in a world that if they haven't experienced real joy, will settle for happiness. And being happy is just a momentary kind of thing. You get that? Um, happy, you can get happy when you're doing something you enjoy. You know, if you come home and your wife's cooked you a great you know, home-cooked meal or your husband's cooked you a great home-cooked meal... Well, that may not make you happy. You may, you may not want to eat that, but, but, but you know, that, that can make you happy. Or, or if you're like us on staff and we, we come in and, and some 
great parishioner has brought us cookies for the Christmas season or fudge for the cookie season. Hint, hint, hint. And then, you know, we're just happy. But it's just for the moment because then you eat it and, and it's gone. But that's just happiness. Right? Some, some people live their lives like this guy. Throw that picture up on the screen. This, is, this guy's name is Jeff Wrights. He lives in uh, Long Beach, California. Uh, back, I think it was in like 2013, um, he and a friend of his had been laid off work for a while. And he said they, they, you know, they were getting drawings from unemployment or whatever. They had kind of a source of income, but they, they knew they were going to be off for a little while. And he said, we got talking about what we can do. He said, we decided we're going to go to Disneyland. You know, they live close. He said, we're just going to go to Disneyland. He said, they went. He said, we had such a great time. He said, we're going back tomorrow. And he said, and they kept going back every single day to Disneyland until they had to go back to work. And then Jeff decided, he said, I'm going to keep going. And his friend stopped, but Jeff would work during the day and then he would go to Disneyland in the evening. And he kept doing that and he wanted to see how many consecutive days he could go to Disneyland. Now, let me pause there. How many of you have been to Disneyland? And how many of you wouldn't really refer as that as the happiest place on earth, but would see that more as a purgatory kind of place? Are you like, you, are you with? Jeff kept going. Anybody want to guess how many straight days he went to Disneyland? 50? 100? 200? How many, Alex? 400. Let this blow you away. He went 2,995 straight days. Now let that sink in. 2,995 straight days he went. In fact, he only stopped going to Disneyland because COVID hit and they shut it down. That was what broke his streak. 2,000, and I'm thinking, that's not heaven for me, baby. That's not, that's not making me happy. But, but for him, he was thinking, oh, you know what? God gives us a joy that lasts forever. I love what Jesus said to his disciples when he was getting ready to leave. He said, you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. So you will have sorrow, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. We take it with us even into eternity. I have a, I have a, a buddy that I played ball with in college named Tim Miller. And uh, Tim and Temple have been, have been friends since college. Tim is going through a pretty severe bout with cancer. And uh, Temple posts on Facebook. And last week she made a post and it was so good. She, she talked about how life has good news and bad news. And she goes, I'm one of those who, I want the bad news first. And she said, and I realized that no matter what kind of bad news I get, God always gives me good news. And she said, I, I've hung on to that. And, and in her post, she talked about how it kind of guided her to the 23rd Psalm and, and, and how that good news, bad news, God tells us, you know, we're gonna walk through dark times. She says, you know, we're gonna walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you know what? We don't have to be afraid because God is with us. 
And she talks about no matter what we go through, God gives us that good news. And I put, I put on your outline, I put the last paragraph of, of, her, of her post. She said, our good shepherds, provisions, leadership, protection, victory, anointing, goodnesses, and mercy will reign over the bad news of this life until we dwell with him forever. Thank you, Lord. Our cup overflows with your best news. That's good stuff. You know, we lost a, a good man in our congregation this, this weekend. Throw that picture up on the screen. Larry Higgins, you know, a professor at MACU, longtime teacher, member here at Chartel. He always had that same smile. Always had a kind word, always had an encouraging thing to say. And Larry... Um, had had a fall here not long ago and it created a brain bleed that they just weren't able to stop. And Friday, I, I got word that they were gonna be taking him off life support. And I, and I went up to the hospital Friday afternoon and, and I sat with Bobby, his wife, and Lori, his daughter, and Randall's son. And, and we, we just all visited together. And we were talking about not just how hard this is, but how we, as followers of Christ, don't grieve like the rest of the world grieves. Because as, as hard as it is to let go of someone we love, we, we know where Larry's at. We, we know where he's going. When I was standing there talking to Lori, and she said, Steve, she said, have you ever, you ever heard the song, Heaven Changes Everything? that Big Daddy Weave song. And I said, oh yeah, I love that song. I said, in fact, I can't believe you're saying that because I actually used that caption on my devotional I wrote this morning. And we started talking about just the words of hope. And I just, I just want you to listen to some, some of the words from that song. These tears that I'm crying, these tears would just be tears falling down my face. And this hurt would just be hurt with no healing on the way. Thank you, Jesus, because heaven changes everything. A goodbye would be a goodbye with no, I see you again. And when a life is over, that would simply be the end. But thank you, Jesus, heaven changes everything. In the light of eternity, I have this hope. You hold my heart and I'm never alone. One day, you're coming back and one day, I'm going home. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven changes everything. This joy that Christ came to bring is not just a joy for us to experience in this life. It's a joy we take with us into eternity. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes for a second and just a moment, I'd like to, just the privilege of praying for us today. And this morning, I just want to say to you, if, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you've never invited him into your life to be your Savior, to be your Lord, to be your guide, I, I just want to encourage you this morning 
This prayer can change everything for you. This baby that came from heaven to earth that we celebrate this time of year, he came to change the way we live and who we are. And today, through just a very simple prayer, you can invite Christ to be your Lord and your Savior. And he'll give you not only his spirit and his presence, he'll give you his joy. I also know that some of you are going through just a really hard place. And I know the days have felt dark and cold. And I know you've gone through some challenges that just maybe make you weary. And Jesus says, come to me. Let me give you rest. And maybe today, as we just pause, you just want to take a moment to say, Lord, um, I need your joy again. I have felt the weight of this life. And I need you to light a new spark in my heart and restore the joy that was once there. Father, as we come before you today, we recognize that we don't deserve all that you came to bring. We are like the shepherds in that field. We are people who have wandered and lived our own lives our own way, and, and yet you chose to come to us. Father, I pray for every single person watching online or here in this room that Maybe today's the first time they've ever opened their hearts and minds to you. And I pray, Father, as they pray that very simple prayer of faith, that today you would wrap your arms of grace around them, that you would let them know that, Lord, when we confess our sin and our need for you, you not only forgive our past, you fill our lives with your Holy Spirit, and you give us a chance to walk in joy. And Father, I pray for those with heavy hearts today. I know that sometimes that Christmas isn't the most wonderful time of the year for people who have gone through loss and people who are going through challenges and struggles. And, and today, Lord, I pray that you'd put your hand upon our shoulder, that even like Paul, being able to rejoice in a jail cell, that you would give us a joy that's not dependent upon the circumstances around us, but on the light that we have within us. Bring comfort and strength to all who are struggling today and relight, we pray, Lord, their fires of joy. Father, we thank you today for that promise of the angels that they came to bring good news of great joy to all people. And we know today that means us. In your precious name we pray and we give you thanks. And everyone said, Amen.